everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. I am thrilled to share this interview with you. And let me give you a little bit of a special intro in this case, because Kamen Mohammadi and I have been trying to coordinate this interview. Initially, it was going to be about her book that I read, Bella Figura, um, which in and of itself is a fantastic story. And we will cover that book and her journey in that book, uh, which is all about her, you know, leaving her corporate life, moving to Italy, going through all types of just adaptations in her life, transitions in her life. And and it's a beautiful, beautiful book with recipes, life stories, love stories. And I reached out to her and we have become fast friends um, online and have been trying to schedule this interview for a while. And it just so happened that Amidst this crazy coronavirus time, um, we were able to connect and say, let's get this done. Like we were, we were going back and forth with the time changes and Zoom issues and yada, yada, yada. So um, what we did is decided to get together and, and let our first, we're going to record interviews every week with her uh, recording and we're doing both video and we're obviously publishing this here on audio. So if you're listening on the audio, that's awesome. But you can also check out the video version of this and see some of the things that we're referring to either in the show notes at thekellyoshow.com or on my YouTube channel, um, either one. Uh, and you'll get to just, you'll just fall in love with her. She's wonderful, but she's in Tuscany right now. So on full lockdown, they are, uh, for those of us in the United States listening to this, you know, they're a couple weeks ahead of us. So um, just getting to hear from her side of things, where she's at, what they're doing, how they're feeling, um, how they're operating, um, where their minds are at, where their spirits are at. And I would say it's definitely good, but I think this is going to be very awesome timing for us to share these across the seas 
Tuscany to United States conversations amidst the coronavirus. So just wanted to give you a little background of how she and I first connected. We will get around to talking about her book, which is excellent. She has a new book that she's working on right now. Um, But for right now, just sit back and enjoy. This is a two-part interview. Each one is about 40 minutes um, where we are talking about what's going on in Italy, what's going on in Tuscany. When we recorded this, it was the first day of Persian New Year, which I found fascinating. Um, And I think it could be a ritual that all of us decide to incorporate. It's a beautiful ritual, a beautiful tradition, and we could certainly use more of that over here. So I sincerely hope you enjoy this. I know you will. I know you will want to follow her on Instagram and tune into what she's putting out every day, get a lovely peek inside Tuscany, and that's it. So sit back and enjoy my chat with Kamen Mohammadi. Hey, everybody, look at me and this gorgeous beam of light. I'm so, <laughs> we've been trying to do this for so long. And I have with me now, Common, I'm not even going to try to say your last name. So I'm going to let you say, <laughs> you say your full name and pronounce it the way it should be. Hi, Kelly. I'm Common Mohammadi. Hiya. Oh, so you make it sound so easy. Common <laughs> I know we can make it really complicated if you want. That's the problem. I think people look at foreign words and they go, oh, that's really complicated. And then they overcomplicate them. You know, actually, it's just Carmen Mahamdi. It's perfect. And it's actually, (laughs) it's like, I'm trying to think, that sounds like the name of a spice, like a Turkish spice. (laughs) And show them them the cup you were drinking out of before. Do you have it right there? My Iranian copper cup for healthy water drinking. So I saw that, and of course, I asked her if it was vodka, and she said no, but I know she's lying. (laughs) Too early in the day. (laughs) But when I saw that, for those of you that follow me over here in the U.S., you know I've just discovered Turkish coffee, and I am obsessed. And she was, you know what, that, okay, so here's, for everybody, you heard me introduce Common in the introduction, and... I first reached out. We've been going back and forth to record this show for probably like four or five months, right? Because it was before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, possibly longer. Yeah. And I, so I've read the book, fell in love with the book. We're going to talk about the book. But considering where we are, so we're recording this, what? It's March 20th, um, 2020. (sighs) We're in the midst of this crazy corona pandemic. And what I thought we'd do instead of diving right into the book is, you know, have you, it's, it's Persian New Year, right? Yes. So tell us, let's start with that because you were, you were saying behind you, it's Persian New Year and this is your table. Tell us what that means. Cause us, us U.S. people are like, what does that mean? We don't have cool stuff like Persian New Year. (laughs) Well, Hey, you're very welcome to adopt this. Um, there are, you know what, there is such a massive Iranian Persian diaspora in the US. I'd be so surprised if some of your listeners aren't already, you know, aren't already celebrating. Uh, so this is um, called Nowruz. It's the festival of Nowruz, which means literally New Day. And it's a very ancient festival. It's an ancient Zoroastrian festival. So it predates Islam by a couple of thousand years. So it's not religious. Uh, so it's not a Muslim festival. You'll find that some Afghans, some Tajiks, you know, different peoples around that area of um, the Middle East and Central Asia who have come from a kind of the, the, the Persian background, as it were, who have that in their history. They all celebrate it too. So it's not just us. Now, what do we do? We actually, what's gorgeous about this festival, Keddie, is that um, we 
you know, it's the end of the year, it's the end of winter, and it's the beginning of spring. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Iran until I was nine years old. And then I went to the UK. And, and for sort of all those years in the UK, it was very weird to me that New Year was in the middle of winter, you know, in the middle of like December, January, that never made sense. And inside myself, my body clock always starts to kind of wake up around the beginning of March and get excited because in Iran, that's what would happen. You start, you know, you start preparing three ages before, I mean, at least a month before, because you have to spring clean your house. You have to clear out everything. I mean, really properly spring clean your house. You buy, if you can, new clothes. Otherwise you get, you know, you wash everything. So the idea is that on that, that is that one time of the year when everything is new, everything is renewed, everything is reborn, everything is rejuvenated. And this is in celebration of the fact that we are coming out of winter and spring is showing us that there is hope, there's new life. And, you know, in this weird coronavirus time, I think, I mean, especially us here in Italy that we've been under this for a few weeks now, I think you know, we look out of our windows and we see the buds on the trees and we see the irises growing. And this gives, oh, I can't even tell you how much this means, how much more than usual this means Mm -hmm. to see nature renewing itself. So this festival right now just feels absolutely what we need. So I decided, you know, here I am in Italy. Normally I'm with my family in London and my mother makes this extraordinary table. So as well as preparing, we have to grow some kind of grass. I, I mean, lentil and wheat grass. Um, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> now, this is my own rather pathetic attempt. These are lentils. I don't know. Can you see? I yes. managed to get... I, I put them down too late. So normally my mum has a, a lovely thing that's, you know, going on to here. Mine will grow now, but, you know, I've got enough new shoots anyway. So I sprouted my lentils, so I've got enough new shoots. This symbolizes new life. So this wait, is our I, table. Can I ask you a question? I literally yeah. just bought lentils because we were, you know, stocking up to be planning to cook at home more. And I'm starting to study Ayurveda um, just to address other health concerns before all of this happened. And so I love having, I, I love eating lentils. I've had them at restaurants, but I've never made them. So I just was asking people to give me ideas, but you're saying you can put lentils in a bowl and is that going to grow more lentils? I don't, I'm going to well, sound really Well, stupid. this is a sort of grass. So at some point this will stop, but actually, you know what you can do, Kelly, Th- these bits, which have not started to shoot, but which are just sprouts. Can you see the sprouts? Okay. These, you can eat them. You can put them in your really? salad. Where's my hand? Yeah. Where's my camera? I can't I sit. They're no absolutely idea. delicious. Yum. And so they're alive. You, you, you put them in a bowl and you added water? Okay. So in order, you just take your regular lentils. Um, you can do this with many things. I always used to do this with all sorts of things, seeds, alfalfa, that kind of thing. So you can take them and you, for let's say a day, 24 hours, you keep them in soaking in water. After that, drain them well and put them on a damp cloth for a couple of days. Keep the cloth damp and you'll see that they'll start growing tiny little shoots huh. and let them just grow for a few days. Keep the cloth damp. And when they are basically, let me find the sprouts, when they're kind of like this, hang on, how can I show you? I can Where's see my it. camera? Can, can you see it? Yeah. 
That's perfect. Oh you God. can eat that. Add to your salad. Absolutely. Nutritious, brilliant, yummy, so good for you. Yum. Um, I want that on my salad. But but this is meant to be a beautiful kind of crop thing. Anyway, I managed to get my new shoes. So the idea of our table Common. is... Common, I'm going to give you another idea. We need to have a cooking with common YouTube. I was channel. going to say recipes, right? Because I've got some lentil recipes to give you. <laughs> we're, you guys, we're ideating all kinds of shows with the Kelly and Common show. The common I mean, the show. creativity here is just amazing. And by the way, there is a lentil recipe in Bella Figura as well, because oh, traditionally right. Italians make lentils on New Year's Eve. Because Best the lentils, ever. it's about get, being wealthy. The more lentils you eat, the more money you're going to get. <laughs> That's the Italian uh-huh. tradition for the okay. new year. Yeah, I know, right? We're all going to get very wealthy after this shutdown. With all the absolutely. <laughs> abundance. High so coming back abundance. to, absolutely, coming back to the Iranian table. So it's called, let me see if I can give you a better view. It's called a half scene, which means seven S's. Now, that's because of the things that are kind of on the table. Wait, ooh, I'm not very in control of my camera. Um, now, I didn't have everything this year, obviously. So normally you have, you know various symbolic things as you can see i have some painted eggs you can see how this festival is kind of the precursor to things like easter right Uh so again they symbolize new life yeah i have some vinegar which in farsi is called serke so that's one s of the seven s's um vinegar is purity it wards off i think it purifies i have an apple asib which is wisdom isn't it I have my sabze, my sprouts, which is new life. I do not have um, live goldfish. So I have them, <laughs> I have them represented here. And uh, the goldfish is, again, it's about new life, but also gold, those flashes, beautiful flashes. Um, I have here, let me show you my things here. So I've got... I can't see what you can see, but I, you can I'll tell, tell you. me. Right now I see I've your got seke, which is coins. Again, okay. well, I've got somak, which is sumac. That's by sumac. Okay. Um, spice of life. I've got senjed, which I, for the life of me, I do not know what that is called in English. I had to bring that <laughs> with me from the UK. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe some of your listeners will know. Um, and these are all the different things that symbolize you know life rebirth renewal we've got some normally i'd have hyacinths um but i haven't got hyacinths because that's a symbol so i've got another flower we have the candle for light we have the mirror also to symbolize all of the light of the world now in in iran of course since the arab invasion we ended up putting uh qurans on the table in order to be able to keep our festival and make it religious but in reality um most Iranians will put the book of poems of Hafez. Um, Hafez is a a medieval poet. And in Iran, his book, basically, you take a follow Hafez. You you also tell your fortune. So you can have um, something that you're worried about or you need guidance on and you meditate on it. And then you open Hafez and you read the first verse that your eye falls on. And that always gives you the answer. So there you go. Yeah, so that's my half scene. That's my sort of lockdown version of the traditional table. Um, I'll send you a picture of my mum's later and you'll see how fancy 
how fancy the real ones are. Oh, it's but anyway, beautiful. I felt, thank you. I thought I was quite proud of it actually, in the sense that I thought it was going to be very sort of pathetic, but actually, you know what, doing it yesterday was a bit of a, a the last couple of days have been a bit of a down day, I think, because we're really beginning to understand that, you know, we're in the second week of this and the death toll is rising and it, it feels quite scary. Um, and I, that made me really determined, you know, to do our traditional rituals. First of all, because I needed to keep busy, but also because um, I've always found this, Kelly, really in my life, um, my culture, my traditions give me so much comfort because they give me such a sense of belonging to something okay. that's bigger and longer. Um, and I, I guess we need a bit of context right now to understand that, you know, we, we humans have been through things yes. um, and, and survived. Um, and also ritual is meaningful and comforting. And I really felt also this whole sense of it being about new birth, new day, new life, rejuvenation, you know, this is really what we need. So I spring cleaned my house for the last two days and I'm so happy about it. It's absolutely <laughs> sparkling. Um, I'm so proud. You know, we have quite a large house, so it's, this is not something that happens very often. Um, <laughs> and, you know, here we are, right? There's no help. No one is coming in. So it's all down to us. And actually, we just, my husband and I, had a lovely collaborative couple of days, absolutely cleaning the house from top to bottom. And and I really, you know, I woke up on Tahvi Lasal, which was at... Um, 10 minutes to five this morning because every year, you know, it's different. Um, so I woke up on that moment because I felt that it would be really auspicious on that moment to really um, meditate on what we want to leave behind and what we want to welcome into the new year. And yeah, I'm in a really jolly mood today, you know, and partly because of that, um, I was thinking when we were kids and also not when we were kids because we've been quite traditional in our family. We would always, you know, when New Year falls in the middle of the night, we would always get up. Really? We would always get up. Yeah, we would get up. We'd put on our new clothes. We'd all gather around the, um, the New Year table. My father would read the ball on. We would all, uh, you know, pray. Um, we would all watch the fish at the exact moment because there's always this rumor that, that this myth, let's say, that the fish jump at the exact moment of the, the turn of the year. <laughs> Uh, we would have on, you know, some kind of Iranian radio um, in the last few years, and my father hasn't been with us. We've always had cousins. Sometimes we've had aunties and people who are alone in Iran who are on their videos, who sit on our half scene on our videos, you know. So um, for this year, I'm not near any of my family. You know, it's just me and my husband. I let him sleep at five o'clock this morning. Um, and it was... And I thought that being away from home for the first time in ever for no ruse was going to be really heartbreaking. But actually, first of all, this is what's happened and there's no choice. Um, but it was very, it's, it's been very comforting and very happy making. So I would really recommend to people always, if you have, if you have a rich background, as so many of us do, um, and if you've gone through any process like I have of feeling very uh, disaffected and alienated sometimes from that background because of wearing so many identities and cultures, um, it's anyway 
can be a real comfort. So I would say, you know, uh, look back at the ancestral traditions and embrace them. And also be flexible with them, share them, adapt them, you yes. know. Yeah, I, I, you know, more and more, I think we, we need to take on our own kind of, um, we need to take on our own rituals and our own things that make us happy. I can't agree with you more. And I will tell you, as a typical, somewhat boring American, we don't like hearing you describe spring and the new year. We don't, we don't do that. And, and just hearing the way that you're setting up this table that, I mean, I wrote it down before you said it, I said, what a great sense of ritual because rituals are comforting. They are heartwarming. And just hearing you, I've never heard of this before, but hearing you describe it um, is amazing. It reminds me back when I was in Chicago, um, the church that I went to um, it was a Bible teaching church. And this, uh, our pastor at that time had um, all, world leaders from all different religions come in and just share their traditions, you know, so they had mm. a, a rabbi explain what they do at Passover and they had mm. somebody else from uh, the Muslim faith describe mm. what they do. And, and they all mm. had so many rituals and traditions. And truthfully, I think that's why I'm so excited. We're shooting this on video because you know what, for everybody listening and watching, if you don't have a ritual, what a better time to adopt one. I hearing the the way that you describe the new year and it's spring. And I, I think especially in the midst of this Corona quarantine and the way that our lives are right now to be able to look outside like you and see the trees budding and the flowers blossoming. And this morning the news came that in Venice, they have swans swimming in the canals and dolphins, and that that apparently has not been happening for a long time. There's signs of rebirth all over, but why not start adopting a ritual, a practice that you can do that has meaning, something that, so how long would you leave your table set up like that for? So our half scene is meant to be up and for 13 days, and on the 13th day in Iran, that's a two-week holiday. Again, this is why, I mean, let's just remember that, you know, Iran is going through this. Iran is going through the worst, you know. At the moment, Italy has got the worst figures in the world. But, you know, Iran obviously has much less reliable figures. So um, right now in Iran, these would be the happiest weeks. You know, the weather is getting nice. I mean, as I'm saying this to you, I'm just remembering what it was like, you know, walking down the streets in Tehran just before New Year with the hustle and the bustle and everyone shopping and, you know, people singing and dancing on the streets, you know, the various characters that we have from the New Year's story that entertain you. And this is still trying to go on in Iran. Like the government have made sure there's musicians on the streets. But people are at home. And what you would do is after Tahdi Lasal, after your the actual New Year, we'd start visiting each other, and you start with the eldest of your family, and you basically spend those two weeks visiting, and um, it's the most sociable time, and everyone goes to see everybody, and everyone calls on everybody, and then on the thirteenth day we have something called Sistabedat, and on and you have to go outside, you have to be in nature. In fact, you see pictures of people in, in Tehran sometimes picnicking on um, roundabouts in the middle of like the big streets that they have. I love it. Because that's the <laughs> bit of green that they can find, you know. Yeah. Um, 
so you have to be in nature and you take your sabze, your sprouts, which by then, you know, will be grown like this. And you have to throw it into flowing water. Now, I'm not exactly sure why, and I probably ought to know, but again, one of your listeners might know, or, you know, next time I'll try and, I'll, I'll try and find out and let you know what the symbolism of that is, that you have to throw this, um, this life into flowing water this thing that you've grown, which has been the symbol of life. Maybe it's about letting it go, to go yeah. forward and to go on. I don't know. Um, I'll look it up, though. And um, and also, if you're not married, if you're unmarried, if you want, then you are meant to um, knot 13 pieces of grass together. And if you do that, by then you'll be married by this time next year. That's what they say. Oh, so, I you know, there's it. been times in my life when I've wanted to knot the grass, and there's been times in my life when I'm like, I am not knotting that grass. <laughs> you know, I'm not rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. But the I idea of Sizdavadar is that you spend a day in nature together and you picnic and you you know celebrate and that's the end of the Nowruz holiday. So it goes on for two weeks. I, I love everything about this. I mean, we our idea of spring cleaning is like going to Home Depot and buying a plant. And, you know, putting, or maybe mowing the lawn. I, I don't mow the lawn, but we, I think in America where you tend to see the most tradition and ritual and, and that's what's ironic as I'm thinking about this, you see it's around Christmas and Thanksgiving. And yeah. that's when you see people going, no matter what, I'm going to go home. I'm going to visit family. Um, yeah. People, people are sometimes complaining that it's so hectic, but on the other hand, they love the holidays. They love tradition. There's things that families do, but outside of that, the rest of the year, the other holidays, they don't, they're not given that much attention and ritual. And I see that people change for the better November mm. and December over here. And I think that mm. there's something to be said about this, yeah. you know, hearkening back to our history, to our culture. And it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't have to be that if we don't have that history, why not adopt and start looking? I'm a history major in college and history of art. So what? And I see the dog under the table. <laughs> oh, she's there. Hi, B. Oh, you okay, said there's another two over there. Right, let's see if we can get them over. Is there <laughs> I saw them on your Instagram story this morning. Oh. You know, um, we're really lucky also at the moment because, you know, my husband, well, he's a photographer, but he also breeds the dogs. But um, we've got a couple of litters of puppies at the moment. So actually oh. also, especially for my friends who are cooped up in, in little apartments in the city, I've been trying every day to put up some, you know, on my Instagram story, some kind of puppy watch. So yeah. that um, so that people can get a little bit of light relief. Because you know what, it's there if you look for it, and it's so easy. I told myself yesterday, and this will be a good segue for us to talk about what, what it's like in Italy right now versus here, and compare notes, um, and then talk about how we can get our minds and our hearts and our souls and our hope in the right place because that's so key right now, universally, wherever we are. Um, yeah. But, you know, I realized yesterday that I, f I found myself in here working and I found myself checking the news like every 15 minutes and reading what people were posting on Facebook about the news every 15 minutes. And when you do that, it's like not only do you not get work done or take a break, but it's just you almost get so overwhelmingly scared and depressed. It's not good. It's good to be in the know 
but I had to tell Steve, I'm like, from now on, I'm checking the news in the morning and then maybe we'll watch it in, in the evening once. But in between, we have to start focusing on the positive. Um, and that's what you and I had talked about. And we're going to get into yeah. that. But let's yeah. first tell us. So you're in Tuscany right now. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. We're about 25 kilometers outside of Florence. So you're outside the city. But tell us, you, because you guys, what we hear right now on the news is that Italy is, is you had the most deaths yesterday. But what you guys... Tell us what, what it's been like for you. When, when did everything change for you? When did you make the decision to come home? Because you you've been going back and forth from London to Tuscany. Update us That's on where right. Okay, so I spend my time between London and Tuscany. Um, I tend to start my year in London because I produce a magazine there, So and that's I have to go into the office. Now, it's really odd to think that even when I was leaving here, sort of around the 20th of January, um, there was people at the airport in wearing masks so it's been going on right for a while we you know we've all had it hovering in the background haven't we since kind of january um so i was in london i did my work um it was the end of february and i was booked to come back i i normally would hang around a little while longer um and do things but anyway i thought i should get back here because i could see that things that's when things had started already kind of taking off in Italy um, and basically the coronavirus had kind of arrived in Europe and it was being spread around Europe by Italians and by people coming to Italy and it was very much in the north of the country and I was in my office this is a fashion magazine and everyone came back from Milan um, from the Milan shows and that was when for example Armani closed the show by by um, doing the catwalk in an empty auditorium. So that was when the kind of lockdown started in the northern part of the country. It was the Venice Carnival was on and they finished, stopped it early, but they kind of let it go on all weekend before stopping it. You know, so there was quite a lot of things that were happening that were very attracting many, you know, even more crowds and tourists than ever. So at that point, this was what, the middle of February? Um, they started to kind of talk about locking down those areas in the north of the country. So that was Lombardy and the Veneto. Now, these, this contains uh, places that you know everyone will have heard of. Venice is in the Veneto. Milan is in Lombardy. And this is also, Kelly, you know, the area of Italy that um, 30% of Italy's wealth comes from. So this is where the industry is. This is where things happen. This is where people work. And this is where, you know, you have a lot of people, also Italians, who are not from there, who go there to for work, right? So the lockdown, as it was, I think no one was really sure what that meant, but it was really kind of about, you know, trying to keep those, I think there were 11 towns that were involved, kind of closing them down, trying to stop people from going in and out, taking social distancing measures, but really nothing really stopped right people were just being told to be careful um i then thought well i should probably get back home really i then also thought should i or should i stay here and be with my mom you know hard choices for everybody right um in london there seemed to be almost nothing going on my husband said to me you just need to consider as you're coming back that you know you might not be able to leave Italy for a while because the way that this is going, it might be that once you're here, you come on and I went, well, that's fine. 
to quite nice to come home. Um, now, I've got lots and lots of things that are meant to be happening in London, you know, and all over the place all the time because I'm a writer and I do all sorts of things. So, you know, I'm always going up and down. In this instance, I cleared my diary. Some kind of instinct told me in January, clear your diary. Um, I was meant to come back for two weeks, then go back to do a yoga teacher training, then, you know, and then be in London for no ruse. But um, yeah, I cleared my diary. I canceled everything. I just, I changed my flights. I just kind of, and this wasn't even about the coronavirus. Something in me just went, just go home and stay there. So I came home thinking that I'm going to stay here for the next few months anyway. And by the way, I have a new book to write, so it's fine. Um, Yay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, so excited. <laughs> so I got here on the 29th of February, Kelly. So on the 1st of March, um, I went, I'm going to self-isolate anyway, because I'm really tired. I've just spent two months of that really fast and full on life, you know, media, working in the media, glossy magazines in London and, um, you know, really doing that that life so I, I kind of need a rest now so I kind of stayed home for a week now look we um, live in the middle of the countryside we are about a 40 minute drive from Florence um, I quite often come home and if I'm writing or if I'm kind of in recovery from London I'll quite often not move from here for a week or two anyway yeah. because you know we live about 500 meters up the air is really fresh there's no motorways near us um, we're right in the foothills of the Apennines, the Apennine mountains that come down the middle of Italy like a spine. So, you know, they get us to the other coast. So we're we're getting into the border between Tuscany and Emilia-Romagna here. Um, it's a part of Tuscany that's very beautiful, very wild. It's not that sort of typical Chianti. We don't have a lot of tourism here. It's very, very rural where we are. And, um, and I really love it. It's beautiful. Um, it's beautiful and 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 you know we live in the middle of um vineyards on one side hills on the other the olive oil is is right here the olive trees are right here right outside of our gate in the woods we have um the girl who's got her beehives and that's where our honey comes from so there's a lot of um that you know there's a lot of really living from the land here which i really appreciate very very much um so it's not that weird for us, you know, as many people will know, also your listeners, um, viewers, who live in rural places, you, we tend to be quite used to a kind of an isolated life anyway, actually, and also to having enough stuff for, you know, because you, look, I'm a London girl, so I'm like, you know, brought up in Tehran, then London, I'm city, city, city. So I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of, you know, if I need milk, I'll just go downstairs and buy. Uh, so I've happily been here for I've been living with how long have I been with them 10, 10 11 years I don't know so I've been living here for a while so I've adapted mm -hmm. um, to the fact that you know our, our cupboards need to be full there needs to be lifelong milk you, you know there's got to be stuff so that you, you can't get into town for a few days to do your shopping um, it's a very different mentality so from that point of view you know we have quite a full house anyway we, um, my husband, as you know, breeds the dogs. He has at least a month's worth of kind of dog food downstairs. You know, we, we work on the scale in any case. Anyway, I came back here. I spent a week at home resting, now thinking, should have got my hair cut. 
Um, didn't do it. <laughs> well, I could have. <laughs> didn't do any of that. It looks fabulous. That's all I have to say. I, you, but darling. I was so glad I got my hair colored too. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But, you know, honestly, we all video each other every day and it's just everyone's looking more wild every day. It's, it's quite, it's very sweet actually. Um, anyway, I stayed home for a week thinking, well, I just, and also partly thinking I should probably self-isolate. You know, I've been in London, I've been traveling. It's, it's you know, I, I thought that there was no great urgency to throw myself into any kind of social interaction. And just as I was thinking, uh, you know, time to go and get my hair cut and see my friends and um, get back into the choir and, you know, all of the kind of stuff that I do that I love. There was this decree. So it was the 7th. So the week, a couple of weekends ago, right? So the weekend of the 7th of March on the Saturday, it was leaked that the government was going to issue a decree that was going to literally lock down those areas in the north of the country. So no one would be able to come and go. So what happened is because that was leaked out, that was going to come into force on Monday to give people s Sunday to, you know, come home. Um, it was leaked out on Saturday night and literally the pictures, images of people running through um, Milan Centrale train station to get the last train south. It kind of went viral after that. So people just panicked. People, people you know, both ways, people ran back to those areas and they ran out of those areas and so of course what they did and this was the absolute fear is they probably took the virus down and spread it to the rest of the country and that's yeah. why when that became evident on sunday the government issued a new decree and they shut down the whole country and that's when they came they said italy is because they'd been calling those areas the red zones so they said we no longer have red zones um of Lombardy and the Veneto and um, parts of um, Emilia Romagna, but now the whole of Italy is a protected zone. A mm. protected zone. What does that mean? No one, but it basically meant, uh, you know, what it meant became clear during the day. So at that point, again, that was a, that came into force on Tuesday, the what was it, 10th or something? I don't know. It's, it's all getting a bit blurry now. I know. But about right? 10 days ago, yeah. And then, and that was when, again, I was still speaking to my friends in Florence and going, but the cafes, restaurants, everything's open. Places could be open as long as they could make sure that people could be distant, you know, far away enough from each other. So lots of restaurants just took out half their tables and that kind of thing. Now, schools were already closed. Gyms were already, I think a lot of them were already closing. But, you know, life was kind of going on in a restricted fashion. I have and, a question. I have a question. Yes. Because at that point, and so much has changed so fast. When those decrees were out and, and they were starting to adjust businesses, because over here there have been phases of people understanding what things mean and, and really listening, and some people are in denial. So I'm curious, at that point, do you think people were like, oh, I better be careful? Or were they like, this is so annoying, they're moving tables out, but I'm just going to go about my life? What was the attitude? Um, so from what I understand, so bear in mind, I wasn't in the city, I, yeah. I was here, but from what I understand is a lot of people took, um, took it on board and took precautions, but, um, a lot of people didn't, and that's not necessarily because people are bad or whatever, but it, it's, right. um, it's really hard to get your head around, Keddy. It's really hard to get your head around. We all live in liberal democracies. We just get up and do what we want all the time without thinking twice about it right yeah. so when they say to you don't do this don't do that and you go okay well this is dangerous this is dangerous 
but you still, if you think that on that Tuesday, I was still, I was in touch with, you know, my favorite cafe in Florence, you know, Chibreo that's in the book. And um, in fact, with Isidora, who is also in the book. And he said, yeah, we're open until five. And I was thinking, well, I'll just go in tomorrow because also it'll be amazing to see Florence completely empty <laughs> without all the tourists. And yeah. I'll have a coffee and I won't touch anyone. I'll have my gloves on and I'll stay far and all of this. And and you see, my husband was going, you can't do that. You can't do that. The point is to not do things like this. And and I didn't do it. But the fact is, you can't get your head around it. So I do know that lots of people carried on. They carried on taking precautions as what they see as precautions, but they anyway carried on. And I think what's becoming clear as time is going on is you can't. You just can't. So they shut down everything the next day. Mm. Boom. They just shut it all down. And this is what I say to my friends who um, who are in countries that are a few weeks behind us, where now, you know, schools have been suspended, some social distancing measures have come in, but at, and people have been asked to stay home, but really life is going on. Um, and I'm saying, well, I think that, you know, things get closed down when actually they start to realize that people aren't doing enough. And... And the disease is, is, it's just the infection rate is just growing too fast. So that was the response. You know, every day there's been new decrees and they've just been responses to people. And even now, even so, you know, it was the Tuesday, the lockdown for the whole country started. The Wednesday, everything closed apart from shops selling food and essentials, that kind of thing, and pharmacies. So no bars. And, you know, hard as it was, in a weird way, it made things easier because um, it took away the confusion. Yeah. We had no choice. So there was no longer, oh, shall I? Shall we? Have yeah. A, is it okay? Shall That's we so true. Shall we go for that walk? Should we do this? We couldn't. It was really simple. Everything's closed. You can't do it. And then this thing of decrees, came, this um, of forms came in. So, you know, every day there's another little decree and another little thing. And maybe that's partly because if you tried to kind of download that on people, right, everything all at once, people wouldn't accept it. But actually, as time goes on and people start to get used to things and and actually what really happened when that lockdown happened is this extraordinary burst of solidarity yes. and the sense of unity and community has been extraordinary, Teddy. And, you know... We love the Italians, all of us that love Italy and love the Italians. We also love them because they're boisterous, they're noisy, they're rule-breaking, they're anarchic. They won't do what they're told. And I didn't think that this country had um, quite as much maturity as it's shown recently. I've been absolutely blown away. You know, Giuseppe Conte comes on the television every night and he is so solid. He is sober, he's measured, he is direct. Um, he says things in um, a very empathetic way. And my respect for him, my respect for the Italian state from that point of view has really gone up. You know, there's been no drama, there's been no hysterics. You know, shelves were being emptied in supermarkets four weeks ago when it first started. Okay. Now, people are reasonable. In fact, from the lockdown, what happened is this whole panicking thing that's that's going on that I'm hearing about has stopped here because um, people were assured there would be food. 
what there is is there's queues outside places because um, small shops don't want don't want more than one or two people. You actually self-regulate. I went to the post office the first day of the lockdown because, you know, I make this um, balm, and I had some friends who oh, were that's in lockdown. Right. I have some. I love it. And we're gonna. Uh, link they to were in lockdown in various places. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This marks the end of part one of this two-part interview with Kamen Mohammadi. Make sure you tune in to part two.